Everybody that loves the Lord, say amen. Amen. Take your Bibles and go to Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16. Bless the Lord. Our Father, we're grateful for Calvary. We're grateful for the great comforter, the Holy Ghost. Now, Lord, breathe on us and brood over us for a little while. Thank you, Lord, for the promise you've given this church now. We'll thank you for it in Jesus' name. All the Lord's people said. Amen. Well, Northside, what do y'all think about that? I'd say the Lord has something to say to y'all, and it is rather sweet. <laughs> I believe he wants y'all to know that uh, daybreak's coming. That's one of them things you can't make up what the Lord just did. Brother Bobby, don't know. I got to preaching that Monday night until the day break, Solomon 2. Then I started singing it, that old song. I couldn't remember the words. Started singing it during the sermon. That was Monday night, what the Lord told us. The day's going to break. Morning's coming. We asked Sister Megan to learn it. She's got a great voice. I, too, have a great voice, but the uh, allergy seasons, hay fever's getting to me. You can't hardly pick up on, on it unless you have a trained ear. So, you know, it's all of y'all don't have trained ears is what's the problem. <clears throat> but I, and then she learned it and sang it the other night. <laughs> That's three different nights the Lord sung that song to us. <laughs> I think maybe that he wants y'all to know that daybreaks, somebody's night season is just about to pass. The day's fixing to break. Sun's going to rise on north side. You can't deny that three different nights. What did he say? Been on me all day. I should have sung it right off the bat. Mm. Lord, thank you, Brother Stewart. We love your family. Uh, Brother Bobby, we've been friends 20 years now. 19 and a half, I guess. And uh, Brother Bobby went to Albania with me, some of the men, one of them early trips. Maybe this is only the second time we'd went, second or third. Going back years ago. And... Uh, Brother Bobby was sick as a dog that day when you make him overseas trip, especially to second world conditions. You can't drink the water. You can't even brush your teeth with that water. You get that water, that bacteria in your toothbrush and get in. And so anyway, he was sick as a dog, and I, I didn't know it. We went down in the little Colosseum where Titus, the tradition, the oral tradition in that part of the country, is that Titus was stoned to death in that little Roman Colosseum in old Macedonia. And we went down in there that day, and there was 12 of us. Oh, I like that. 12 disciples. And you got to understand, General Hosha, X-O-X-H-A, if you got too many X's in your name, you need to change it to Bob or Sam or Jim. Or Bartholomew, <laughs> that, uh, but uh, General Hosha had stomped his foot in the fifties and sixties and declared that he would drive out any notion of any god. Now this man was an insane dictator. He burned not just the Greek Orthodox churches, which was cousins to the Roman Catholics, and uh, uh, the Greek Orthodox and a handful of Roman Catholic cathedrals. He burned the Muslim mosque. He burned every religious book in the little country. I mean, this guy was extreme. And, and he said he was God. And the children grew up praying to him. You had to sing to him. They wrote songs and they sang praises to him. They prayed to him. 
And he declared he would stamp out any notion of any God because he was God. Well, communism collapsed and they threw him out. And guess what? He ain't here and God still is. And we went back in that country. The gospel went back in in 1991, 1992. And Brother Stewart was one of the, maybe just our second or third trip over there. He was with us. And what I was going to tell you was we went down in that Colosseum where it said, where they say that Titus was stoned to death and uh, we read the book of Titus <laughs> out loud. And Brother Bob is the one that read it. I didn't know he was sick that morning. But uh, he stood there and, he, and I asked him and he read the book of Titus. <laughs> right where Titus left this world from. <laughs> Y'all ain't helping me. Brother Bobby started reading. He started feeling a little better. And he was reading that. We were gathered around. And I watched the, the, the town and that section of town. It's Duras. I don't know how to say it. Duras, Albania. It's a big city now. But in that part of the town, they started coming out. Windows, doors. You, you can ask him. Coming down, looking down on us over that Coliseum. <laughs> and I said, Brother Jamie, I said, he was reading Titus, and I just looked around, and the Holy Ghost was so thick, it's thicker than buttermilk. <laughs> and I said, uh, we're back. <laughs> Sometimes I tease the devil. I, should, I hide behind the Lord real quick, but I, I tease him sometimes. And Brother Bobby read that, and I'm, I'm grateful for what, what he's doing in our capital, our state capitals and our nation's capital. And uh, that's a blessing. Are y'all in, uh, where did I tell y'all to go? Okay, that's a good sermon. Let's go over there. Genesis 6, I was in the New Testament. I was willing to go with whatever. Forgot what I told y'all. Genesis 16. My, hadn't the Lord been good to it? I don't know, we might ought to ponder that for a moment. He's talked to Northside. Some golden daybreak. <laughs> I mean, y'all can't deny that he's talking to y'all. <laughs> Somebody's day's going to break. You're going to get out of that those mountains of Bethair. It's going to bring you on back to the rest of the promised land. Mm. Mm. What about that song making three special appearances? Oh, yeah. That's prophetic. You can't. I'm not a charismatic, but you hear me. That's prophetic for Northside Baptist Church. For somebody too. That's something God telling somebody that is nearly over. Sun's fixing. The sun's coming up in the morning. Somebody here needs to look on the horizon. It's turning pink. <laughs> It'll be gold in about ten minutes. Bless the Lord. Yeah, Genesis 16. Thank the Lord. Mm. Well, to pray again, huh? That wouldn't hurt, would it? Amen. Thank the Lord. Tommy, you pray for us. And when you get done, Brother Burke, you pray for us. Wouldn't hurt y'all to pray either. Good. He's telling us. <laughs> yeah, Lord.
uh, we needed to just pause right there and thank him and talk to him, huh? Lord, heaven knows we Baptists in the South are in way too big of a hurry to get out. And ain't got time to stop and have church. So bless the Lord. Well, let me give you a burden. This is not a just a burden out of the scriptures, a message the Lord's thumped it in my heart some lately. Don't really have it structured. Um, but it's It'll fit just right in our hearts. I want to look at Sarah. Would you look in Genesis 16, verse 1? I want to see if the Lord will help our faith tonight. Can I get a witness right there? The Lord will help our faith. Because this is the matriarch of the faith. If Abraham was the patriarch, Sarah was the matriarch. You often hear this. You often hear this. Now, we're here on Thursday night, so this is a pretty serious crowd. We don't have the fluff crowd. We don't have the fringe crowd. We don't have the, and I don't mean nothing ugly by this, we don't have the Sunday morning crowd. Uh, and I, I, I always liked the Sunday morning crowd. I was glad they came. It was the best place for them to be. And they didn't have enough to be back Sunday night or Wednesday night, but there was enough to be there on a Sunday morning. So that's something to work with. So I, I never was mad about that. But, but we're, this is a Thursday night crowd. So I, I know there ain't nobody here playing games. And, and, and we often hear this. We often hear a woman say, well, God didn't call the woman. We hear that, you know. When you hang around, I, I live with preachers, and none of them will say it, but we've, we've heard other fellows say it. <laughs> and, and, and sometimes you hear a woman say, well, God... You know, God called Abraham but didn't call Sarah. And they'll say, well, God may have called my husband, but he didn't, he didn't call my wife. Or he didn't call the woman. Well, I'm, I'm going to say two words. Let you give you an inkling how I feel about that. Hogwash and... I forgot my other word, that, but that was two in one. That was enough. Yeah, that, they're one flesh. When God laid his hand on Joshua Sharp, he laid his hand on Sister Davina. You're one flesh. God laid his hand on Brother Bob and Sister You're one flesh. And and Sarah's in that Hebrews 11. Now, I'm going to say something right because we're going to give her a rough time tonight. But we're in the Old Testament. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just whisper something to you. And if you're a Pharisee and enjoy kicking people around, you're going to enjoy how we treat Sarah. But I have to tell you this at the outset. When you get in the New Testament, the Lord's bragging on her. Do you want to know how bad me and you looked under the law? But how good we look under grace. And we're going to learn a lesson out of her struggle. But I will go ahead and just disappoint the Pharisees right off the bat. When you get to the new, God picks her up like a trophy, puts her up on the spotlight and puts her in the Hebrews 11, the hall of faith, and says, through faith also Sarah herself received strength to conceive <laughs> Woo! Two women in Hebrews 11, they both was receiving. Sarah and Rahab. Y'all got to talk to me. One receives strength, the other receives spies. Mmm, mmm, mmm. I may just go ahead and pledge to myself that I will buy myself a cookout milkshake tonight. All right, I just did it, and I feel so good about what I'm going to do for me. Don't y'all be telling Jennifer that I've done that. Got me a milkshake. I'm going to tell her it was a protein wheat mixture from Starbucks. But, uh... Oh, I got news for you. Sarah's not looking good under, under this old dispensation, but boy, when you get to the new, you'd think she was a hero. So I'm going to say it again, get it in your system. We don't look too good under the law, but we look real good under grace. <laughs> Woo! Lord, we know you when you was you. I know the me that's me, but under grace, 
under blood, under Calvary, under the imputed righteousness of Christ, under the sweet smile and the favor of my gracious covenant swearing Lord. Y'all ain't heaven. <laughs> Woo! Now, I know y'all don't do this, but you tell people that are doing it, well, God didn't call the woman. You know, you just put yourself in the group that thinks people can lose their salvation. If the bride ain't involved, then what you going to do with Christ and his bride? <laughs> What's on him's on me. Y'all are just looking at me, and I know I got some old timers been around Bible preaching. I need you to back me up. That anointing oil that ran down on Aaron's head run down on the body. That blood that covers Christ, it covers me. What you going to do trying to act like it's two separate entities, the husband and the wife? You must put yourself in a group that believes people lose their salvation because they're not one with Him. Y'all ain't helping me. Yes, sir, I'm going to say something. Expect y'all to help me right here. See, in the 1900s, we got too cozy with charismatics. And you're hanging out with all these Pentecostals, contemporaries, and charismatics, and you're scared to tell them what you believe about what the Bible says, lest you offend somebody's feelings. You know, for a bunch that's supposed to have a feeling, why they got so many feelings? F-I-L-L. I'm going to say this, expect y'all to act like a bunch of old-timey, baptized, blood-washed, born-again Baptist believers. I said, well, now, I, I just believe the Lord loves everybody. Sure he does. But when it comes to doctrine, honey, you better not be running around with all these little half-denomination things come out of the Roman Catholic Church. So I'm going to say this, expect y'all to act pretty religious when I say it. I'm not just his, I'm him. Y'all disappointed me. I'm like the National Hockey League. I will put you in a 20-minute penalty box. One chance to redeem yourself. When it comes to our eternal salvation, I'm not just his, which that's enough to go to sleep on. I belong to him. The Lord knoweth them that are his. He's been sealed by that. I'm not just his, but I'm him. And that's Ephesians 5. We're one. We're bone, and that's Genesis 2. We're bone of his bone, flesh of his flesh. Quit acting like Sarah ain't attached to Abraham. Well, the Lord didn't call the, man, the woman just the man. I'm sorry, I went to the wedding. I went to the wedding in Genesis 5 and he called their name Adam. Yeah. Because they're the same one and they ain't her. She's pulled out of him to be given back to him, to be made one with him and she's him. He ain't her. Sorry, Hillary. Sorry, Rosie. Sorry, everybody on The View. And for all the Vietnam vets, sorry, Jane Fonda. Mm. Take me to Waffle House. I'll tell you how I really feel about some of that. Yes, sir. Oh, my. So don't be acting like that. Well, now, Sarah, you know, it wasn't her choice. And, and she's just going to go to the mall there in the wilderness. Because that's God and Abraham. That's their thing. That's their business. That's their thing. Y'all like, come on now. I got me some Bible for everything I'm saying. Sarah. Well, I enjoyed that introduction. So I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting walnuts and watermelon in my milkshake. That's what I'm going to say. I'm going to say, and put walnuts in that watermelon milkshake. That's what I'm going to say here in a little bit. You watch me. That's how much I enjoyed that introduction. Read this verse, Genesis 16, verse 1. I'm going to tell Jennifer that I had fruit and nuts. It'll be true. If y'all don't, if y'all don't rat me out, it'll be true. Now Sarah, Sarah, 
Abram's wife, look at them two names, Sarai, Abram. They hadn't had the grace of God breathed in them yet. That fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet, that comes in the next chapter 17. By the way, the second night in a row, we're going to have to mention circumcision. When they cut the flesh off, when they obeyed God and put the mark of separation and cut away the flesh, God breathed the H into both of them. That's chapter 17, and it's verse 15. He turned them to Abraham. And instead of Sarai, it's now Sarah. It's the fifth letter of the Hebrew alphabet. By the way, girls, good to see our little sister back here tonight. You know what Sarai means? One who manipulates. Them Hebrew names mean something. Sarai, one who manipulates. You know what Sarah means? Heavenly princess. I'm going to say something on behalf of all the men. Ladies, we hope you're listening. We sure like you with the H. Lot Lot, you're so much easier to not divorce. <laughs> you're so much easier to live with. And of course, now let's let the girls have a voice for a minute. Do y'all like us better with the H too? Because Abraham, get in a bad neighborhood and said, you're not my wife today. <laughs> you're my sister. And let that king take you to his to his, uh, uh, not brothel, what what'd they call it, the, the, the old, yeah, harem, thank you, Stuart. I have friends who have actually went to school. <laughs> and, Let that king take you to his harem because I don't want to get beat up today. So girls, y'all say amen right there, see yes. We like y'all when you have the grace of God breathed in you. And then uh, I imagine y'all like us husbands better when we're not <laughs> turning you over to the heathen. And the grace of God's breathed on us. Huh? Here they are, both of them. <laughs> Before they got, I'm going to call it filled with the Holy Ghost. Old Testament picture. I know Holy Ghost filling might be more of a New Testament thing, but it's an Old Testament picture. In chapter 17... Chapter 17, they circumcised the flesh and God breathed the grace of God on them. (sighs) Five number of grace. Some would argue it's the number of death. I would argue death and grace in God's kingdom is about the same thing. (laughs) Woo! Yeah, Lord. Y'all with me? There's Sarai and Abraham. Mm, Okay, now watch this. Now, Sarah, if I have a title tonight, it would be Sarah, a type of the modern church. Now, Sarah, Abram's wife, bear him no children. Uh, uh. Do y'all know how tore up we get in our churches and us preachers and sometimes when ain't nobody getting saved at church? We don't have any children being born. I ain't talking about your babies. I'm talking about on these altars, the new birth. Help me now. Here's Sarah. She's the bride. Brother, if Abraham, it gives us a living object lesson of our faith. This is his bride. She's one of them Old Testament pictures of the church. Somebody said, well, they're the Jews. Well, I know that, but everything about the Jews, the whole Old Testament was pictures of church realities. She had no children. She had no children. Well, I need to say something right here. She was going to. Because God had spoken. Okay? And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. Here's the problem. I'm going to say something. Y'all back me up right here. I'm going to say it. If y'all do real good, I won't even preach it to you. I'll just say it while you preach it to yourself. She had no children, but she had an Egyptian. Did 
It's not something to be proud of. Bible said in Isaiah, woe to them that go down into Egypt for help. Am I right? Y'all read that in the Bible? Egypt's always a type of the world. She had no children, but she had an Egyptian. Boy, howdy, come with me and Brother Bobby into the churches and we'll show you where they have no children, but they got Egyptians. Okay? Now let's read on here. Her unbelief's fixing to kick in. And Sarah said, Sorry, we didn't really need her to say anything. Y'all help me now. Now you ladies, most of you have known me long, some of you have known me many years. I'm not a male show. I'm not going to beat up on you. I'm not going to kick you around, dear ladies. <clears throat> but my wife's got a little devotional book. She's been reading it for a year. And she told me the other day, she said, every time a woman takes over, they absolutely make a mess. And it started with Eve. And then you go right on to the next character. There you see. Uh, I mean, and, and you go right to, right here to Sarah. What about uh, Isaac and Rebecca? Who did Rebecca have? Jacob and Esau? It was Rebecca, same fear that Sarah had. God had promised her that younger boy, I'm going to give him the blessing. But what did she do? She couldn't wait on God to do what he said he's going to do. So she got in there and got to manipulating. Got to manipulating and scheming and got the boys all messed up, the daddy all messed up. She's putting goat skins on one son and cooking and deceiving her husband and absolutely in there setting up this sick bed meeting and God was going to give Jacob the blessing. Why did she have to mess with it? So I'd like to ask y'all. God was going to give Sarah children. Why did she have to mess with it? God was going to give Jacob the blessing. Why did she have to mess with it? Now let's bring it on to where we live. God's promised me and you some mighty promises. Why do we got to mess with it? Why do we have to manipulate it? Why do we have to force it? Why do we have to make things happen? Amen. I love how you took the board down. I love how your church has accepted that. Sometimes the older ones, okay, okay, you know, God, I'm glad you obeyed the Lord. I'm glad the church got a good spirit about it. Because this man said, I'm tired of looking at stuff that men do. And let's just take it off the wall and look, look for what God's going to do. <laughs> Pulled the board off and then God give you a promise that the sun's fixing to come up for North. <laughs> Y'all know when this revival is going to start? After the revival. He's telling y'all what he's going to do. When this week's over, he's going to, that's when he's going to start doing it. I'd rather the Lord do something for me the next decade than in just a day. <laughs> Woo, boy, Brother Bobby, when you leaned over there and said, I got to do what God's all day been on my heart. I should have done this first thing. Oh, some golden, I've, you said, I've never even sung this song. Woo! Until the day break. Don't get over there and start trying to get the blessing. Don't get over there and start trying to get the baby. Are y'all with me? So let's let's look at this. And I and I I mean I'm I'm nearly done in my own way. Because I ain't studied none of this. If I study it, God will shelf it. I'm like, Lord, I got a beautiful sermon. Thank you. Let me have that now. You can't see it again. Verse 2. And Sarah said unto Abram. Now here she's talking. She's taking over. Behold now, 
the Lord hath restrained. Don't we talk spiritual when we're being most carnal? Okay, I got to drive that in better. Y'all don't think y'all got it. Don't we know how to start bringing the Lord in the story? Now, it seemed the Lord hath it. The, I tell you, been praying, it's the Lord's will. How many people left the church out of the will of God? And they said, well, the Lord led me. We all know that is a large chunk of country baloney that was left out in the sun. We all know what that is. The minute you said it, you told and you got that spirit, we smelled that spirit. Minute, well, now the Lord's been working tonight. The Lord leading us to go on somewhere. No, you're acting like Sarah. Scheming and strategizing and taking over because you can't wait on God. Boy, she went to top. Now the Lord had. How does she know what the Lord done? Never did talk to her. He talked to Abraham. All of a sudden, she's an expert on the Lord. Have you pastors? There's at least four or five pastors in here tonight. Y'all notice that the most troublemaking people have are, are the greatest authorities on God. They always tell me what God will and God's word and God said and God wants us to do this. Wow. Man, he talks to me like once every five years. Y'all talk every five minutes, obviously. Wow. It's amazing. So again, how is it your track record is a disaster? That you're such an expert on God working, talks to you every seven minutes, and you tell everybody on Facebook and everywhere else what the Lord's doing, what the Lord said. She said, the Lord, wow, thank you, sir. The most disobedient moment in her experience. She's blaming it on the Lord. Now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. <clears throat> I pray thee. Mm, mm, mm. Who's she praying to? Her husband. And while she's bossing him. He ain't supposed to pray to me. He's supposed to pray to God. Abraham had the same fear. Can I show you something? Look in chapter 15. He had the same fear, but he didn't pray to Sarah. Just back up one chapter. He had the same fear. God ain't give us no children. But look what. Oh, I'm about to run. About to run out the door, kick over a tombstone, come back, shout. I'll pick it back up later. Watch this. Abram said in his verse 2. See, they both have a verse 2. And Abram said, Lord God. Well, what about that? He didn't talk to humans. Didn't talk to his wife. Didn't talk to his neighbor. Didn't call Dr. P. Howe. Didn't consult with the newspaper, the horoscope, or Oprah Winfrey. He had the same fear. You know what he did? He talked to God. Lord God. And he didn't tell him what he's going to do. I believe there's a question mark in here. What wilt thou give me? See, and I go childless. Do you see the difference in faith and unbelief? Unbelief says, I'm going to take over and I'm going to produce children. One way or the other. Faith says, Lord, you didn't give me that thing you said you was going to. But I bet you're going to do something. What are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Oh, and he even suggested to the Lord that we can get a child with my steward. They both got the same thing in mind. Only one is sincerely asking the Lord and the other one is telling people. He said in verse 2, See, and, 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 and the steward of my house is this Eliezer. Well, I mean... And, Abraham, he just was thinking about it. He didn't even try to put nothing together. And Abraham said to me, thou hast given no seed. One born in my house is mine heir. He said, Lord, you're going to use my steward? And the Lord said, this shall not be thine heir. But he that shall come forth out of thine own bowels shall be. Oh, he had him a promise. And then he brought him forth abroad. See, God will take faith to big places. Count stars. 
Let's get back on Sarah. Verse 2, Sarah said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. Wow, she's an authority on the Lord now. I pray thee, praying to the wrong one, go in unto my maid. It may be that I may, what's the next two words? Obtain children by her. And Abraham hearkened to the voice of Sarah, and the Lord didn't talk to him for 13 years. I bet he wished he'd have stayed back in chapter 15, counting stars and hearing promises and walking with God. But when he followed his wife, when he followed the one, when he followed the wrong authority, God gave him 13 years of silence. What'd she say? It may be that I may obtain children by her. I want to drive home one point right here to the church and to the preachers. Can I drive this point home? Hey, fellas, because we're in an hour in this nation and it may not be seeing a lot of people saved and birthed on our altars, let's not go to the world and figure out ways to get a bunch of children. Brother Sharp, you're a sharp brother. <laughs> Do you like that, Kevin? But now you are. He's a gifted man. He's a blessed man. His, his wife's a sweet and a spiritual lady. And you could adjust about two things and be running a thousand. Get you a little Joel Osteen spirit. Drop every standard. Walk away from the old time way and give this new seeker-friendly, market-driven strategy, survey-friendly. Turn this thing contemporary. You're close enough to the university. Drop Baptist off the sign. Turn it to North Point. And call it the point. Call it North Face. <laughs> I'm not trying to be ugly what I'm fixing. Stay instead of her being a lady and a Christian. You could present her as a symbol. I'm not trying to be ugly. But she could come in here with that spirit. And you could come in here with the hip hop turn this thing into the gathering, the view, and call them over from the university. And they'd say, oh, that's a hip-hop He gets us. and he, Just an early service, 12-minute little devotionals. Oh, yeah, they're cool. They're relevant. They're hip. You'd run a 1,000. You'd have to go to three services a day. Brother Bobby, you're going in these state capitals. You're going in with a Bible and a prayer. Oh, you could come in with the social issues. You could come in with a little... What's, what's popular on the liberal agenda. You could go in there doing a little, uh, and you'd be, you'd be at the next inauguration leading in prayer. I could be an evangelist for the hour. I could market this thing in five minutes. As full of baloney as I am sometimes. <laughs> I could offer everybody a cookout milkshake. And brother, he could have all the politicians eating out of his hand. He could have all the university over here, and I'd be the I'd be. They'd be saying that's that's so. It was. <laughs> he's he's the world's pastor now. I'd be selling books and drinking milkshakes, huh? And we would have <clears throat> because we couldn't obtain children from God. We'd just get something going with Egypt and start producing children. He knows how. I know how. He knows how. But I'll be honest. I'll be honest with you. I forgot how. I bet you have too. You wouldn't even know how. I walked away from that proposition so many years ago. I wouldn't even know how to start acting funny or fake. I wouldn't know how to come in here and looking for a way to help y'all's feelings. I've been so determined for so many decades to, to pull the sword and stick it straight. I wouldn't know how to get y'all to try to like me. <laughs> huh? Thank God I've gone so far down the trail looking back, I can't even see where we came from. Are y'all helping me? I've been to my Matthew 4 wilderness and he, he attempted to bribe me. 
And I said, no, thank you. I think I'll just go with God. No, thank you. I'd rather have Jesus. No, thank you. He's more than enough. I wouldn't even know how to begin that game. It's a sad hour. Brother, when we get preachers who recognize that there's an insatiable appetite in this nation, they're heaping to themselves teachers who will appeal to their lust, their itching ears. And if you give them what they want, they'll give you what they have. Y'all better be real careful at the Absalom's trying to take the kingdom in this hour. And what about that? That is something every preacher has to make this choice and you got to make it more than once. Every Sunday morning, a pastor stands up and the devil will say, oh, if you actually preach on that, you're going to lose the big tithing family. The evangelist walks in and says, oh, if you preach that four sons of a gold calf on Tuesday night, that'll be your last meeting there. Our ambassador to the... To the capitals, walk in there, and he'll tell, oh, eh, don't mention to them that all you use is a King James. They don't understand that. Just, just fudge, compromise. And, oh, go ahead, go ahead, you know, it's a cocktail. Everybody's having one, and if you don't, you're going you're gonna to break. If you don't have that social drink, you'll break that relationship, and then you'll be just back at the house looking at the pine trees. I mean, when in Rome, every preacher alive has to make that choice. Every Christian that ever goes anywhere with God has to make that choice. You're going to look him relatives in the eyeball and say, sorry, our kid's not going to live like or look like a circus freak just because yours are drug addicted and three colors of hair and sleeping with boys and going to the rock concert, our kids ain't going to do that. Well, you're out of the wheel. You're out of the, you're out of the family reunion. Well, that's fine. I have another family, and I'm going to have another reunion. And I may be out of the y'all's wheel, but I've been written into another. I got an inheritance from another world. Oh, preachers, don't, preachers ain't the only one facing the pressure. If we'll just go to Egypt, we can get what we don't got. Every Christian. You know how many young couples we lose because they got to get that job? My daddy drove that conviction in my heart deep, long time ago. I'm going to spit it out here. This would be too old-fashioned for all of my friends nearly. But mama didn't drop us off at the daycare. She was a keeper at home. Don't you have to have two incomes? No, you don't have to have four vehicles. That two incomes for your two-story house, you can't live in that trailer and have God smile on you. Oh, I'm losing y'all. Losing all my friends. I only have two friends left and they don't claim to be my friend. I tell them, you're my friend. And they just nod at me. <laughs> huh? Daddy said we ain't working on Sundays. Now, I understand there are mercy works. That ambulance has to run on a Sunday. But them restaurants don't have to. And if we'd quit eating at them, maybe then some of them waitresses could go to church. I grew up with them old timers, dead pastor in Tennessee, down near Cleveland. And I had them old timers that wouldn't buy gas on Sunday, didn't, did not buy gas where they sold beer. Well, it ain't possible now. But I'm telling you, that's how they growed up. They didn't eat at restaurants on Sunday. They didn't buy gas where they sold beer. I'm talking about some folk that had some convictions. Y'all ain't helping me. They actually believe there's a difference in the church and the world. I know America's in a mess. But you still live by Bible convictions. <laughs> well, what if that? There's always an answer. If you quit looking for an excuse. What about this? Well, that's what she said, that I may obtain children. God, help us in this hour. 
I would rather wait on God than go down to Egypt and try to start producing what I think that we need. Mm. Well, I'm going to say four things, and I'm going to show you one more thing. That's the deal. Ready? I'm going to say four things, show you one more thing. The thing I'm going to show you is the best thing in here. Four things. I think I can do this rapidly. Back in chapter 12, we got a problem because there was a trip to Egypt. Reckon where she picked up that Egyptian handmaid. There was a famine in the land. He was a new believer walking with God and he ran to Egypt for help. Remember that? Nearly lost his wife. Nearly lost her. The trip to Egypt. I'm going to say something. There's a 20 minute penalty box if y'all don't act right. So here it comes. It never pays to make that trip down to the world. Brother Bobby, I thought about that. Lot moved to Sodom and stayed too long. Could not get his wife out. Really tried. She couldn't make it out. Abraham went down just for a little while. And he got on out of there when God rebuked him. And he got his wife out. How come one man couldn't get his wife out and the other man did? Because one of them moved in there to stay. The other moved in there and said, Rutlo, done wrong. Let's get let's let's reverse this. Let's get out of here before it's too late. The trip to Egypt's very dangerous. Oh Lord. I'm thinking of a precious man. He's a good man was a great pastor, was a gifted pastor. I don't think y'all know him. He's not from this state. Oh, my goodness. Ran 400. I'm talking about a gifted man in more than in, in two churches. But then he'd come in there. And things got, well, come in there and his wife would sit on the very back. She'd come in five minutes late and sit down, tap that foot and scowl. And while they were dismissing in prayer, she'd exit. What happened to her? poisoned heart. You know what happened to her? In the middle of his ministry, he had him a good little four-month backsliding spell. I'm talking about this man had already pastored, had Christian school, got hurt. Y'all know we all get hurt every day? Quit for a little while, quit church. Laid the Bible down, picked the bottle up, got right, came back, got restored, got called to pastor. She was there, but she never was back. He took her down there and lost her. Oh, he had her body in there, and then they lost their kids, their grown kids, and then some things happened in the grandkids' life, and it's just bad. The trip to Egypt ain't never worth it. You say, well, he got Sarah out of there. Yeah, I know it, but his boy learned some bad habits. When he got in a bad place, he betrayed his wife. Wonder where he learned that junk. When you go to Egypt, you act, uh, kids don't use this word, it's a crude word, but you act stupid. He went down to Egypt because there was a famine. I'm going to say famine, then I'm going to say family. A famine's why he went down there. Then he nearly lost his family. Don't you react to the famine and lose your family. Just stay with your family and live in the famine. I got a feeling God can feed you in the wilderness. I got a feeling our God can bring water out of a rock and manna out of the sky. I got a feeling God can bring crows and ravens over and let your brook trickle. Y'all ain't helping me. I hear them sometimes talking about Martha and Mary. And preachers don't read their Bible. They listen to other preachers and they'll say it like this. Well, now somebody's got to be a Martha. Somebody's got to do the work. Mary was a worshiper. And I'll hear them say that. Every time about they read that, they'll end up somewhere in the middle. Well, now somebody... No, they don't! Well, then how would there have been supper? <laughs> You already ought to be giving me the answer. If they both of them said, hey, Jesus is in the house. We're dropping everything sitting at his feet. 
What if they'd have got to supper time? And, well, there's no supper. Lord, we're here and we have no. There could have been a real miracle in that little story. Instead, we got a stressed out, weary servant cumbered about with much serving because she's trying to do what God can do. Y'all quit trying to fix the famine and fix your family. Don't lose your family because of a famine. Just tell God, hey, we got a famine going here. My belly's growling. But we ain't going to the world. You called us out in this very chapter 12. We're going to stay with you. Wonder what miracle we missed. I wonder what miracle would have been in Genesis 12. There could have been a feeding of the 5,000. There could have been water out of a rock. Instead, when we run to fix our problems, how many miracles are missing in our life because we thought, here's a famine. And I'm going to lose my family because I'm going to run to Egypt. Are y'all with me? My, my. There's the trip to Egypt and then there's the trap of Egypt. It's chapter 16, verse 1. She had an Egyptian. That's the trap. When you go down there, you usually bring stuff with you. You may come back out, but you don't come back out alone. That's the trap of Egypt. And then there was the trust in Egypt. We've already dealt with that. She put more trust in Hagar than she did her God. Trusted her wisdom instead of God's wisdom. That's the trust in Egypt. And then the fourth thing is the trouble with Egypt. There's 13 years of silence from heaven and 13 years of strife in his home. I'm not going to show you the scriptures. I trust y'all to go home and study. But you remember Isaac was a wild thing. Do you remember that he persecuted? Did I say Isaac? Ishmael. Ishmael was a wild thing and he persecuted Isaac when he got here. Had to be cast out. Thirteen's the number of rebellion. That's when they cast him out. That boy, that was an Egyptian. That was a hybrid. That boy was something that the world and the church produced. Thirteen years of strife in his home. Thirteen years of silence from his heaven. Wasn't worth it. That's the trouble with Egypt. Mm. Well, y'all are just looking at me. I'm going to tell you this. A lot of our churches have no children, but have an Egyptian. I appreciate and love your language this week going to quit trying to do all these things and just trust the Lord. You've said it twice to the church this week. Going to quit trying to manipulate. You you ain't been manipulating. But folks, we can't create stuff. You can't concoct it. What are you going to do for the kids? I promise you down the road the rich church is doing ten times more for the kids. And by the way, when you start doing for the kids, you quit having church, you start having Disney World. You start having Chuck E. Cheese. I walked through a warehouse. A friend of mine bought a warehouse in Atlanta. Good time of day. The kids don't even ever see church. They've created a Noah's Ark bigger than this room. They've created a playground, an arcade bigger than this. They've created an actual Chuck E. Cheese. They call it Churchy Cheese. I preached with him in an old-fashioned tent in the sawdust, and I preached on the blood out of the book of Hebrews. Then the next time I was there, he walked me through that warehouse. That's what we do for the kids. And he was proud that they'd never even sit in a pew. Oh, we're going to teach them a scripture and teach them a song. You're taking them to Chuck E. Cheese. Noticed after that, he quit having me and old-fashioned preachers. Started bringing in all these hirelings and all these halfway boys. These pretty boys that y'all worship on social media that are bringing a contemporary flavor to your kids. Y'all better talk to me. Oh, hazard. You'll fall right out in the pothole and go to hell in that. And he walked me through all that. You know what's sad? And let's talk practical for a minute. We'll never match Disney World or Chuck E. Cheese. 
And anybody picks up a phone and asks a preacher, what all fun are you doing for the kids? Probably not saved. I said, any parent that picks up a phone and calls a preacher, what can you do to entertain my kids so we'll come there? Probably not ever been born again. Y'all need to quit talking to carnal people about what we're doing for the children. This is all the women talking. Y'all don't get quiet like that. You know this is as mean as I get. We're getting a milkshake in a minute. This is when Eve talks, when Sarah talks, when Rebecca talks. What are we doing for the children? I hang out with the soccer moms and I hang out with the man-hating club when I get my hair cut every three days. And all them thrice-divorced man-hating lesbians down there that I'm running around with as we wear our spandex all over town so men can see our figure and our form. Y'all ain't helping me. I said, all of you little man-hating jogging club with your spandex. What are them things that are the style now? It's horrible. I'm seeing more cottage cheese than I ever meant to see cottage cheese, Pastor. I don't even like cottage. It belongs on the Shawnee salad bars. The only place cottage cheese. This is not a matter of a lust of the flesh. This is a matter of you're making me sick with cottage cheese. Huh? What do y'all do for the children? Try this on for size. Give them a church where they learn to go in there and there's an altar. They pray with their daddy. They pray with their mama. Watch their mama shout. Hear a preacher talk about heaven and hell. Get introduced to an old rugged cross that'll pull them out of hell. Here's what we do for the kids. Give them Jesus. We can make popcorn at the house. I'll rent my own Disney movie that I preach against, but I watch anyway. Huh? I take my kids to Chuck E. Cheese and we'll have fun for an hour. And then we're going to go to church and have church. Hey, what you better do for the children, you better get them to God. And don't none of y'all be putting pressure on Him. Children. You don't love your own kids. America's turning all their kids over to hell. What are we doing for the kid? The more than you're doing for them. They obtain children. This is the trouble with Egypt. When you let it in the world, when you let it in your home, you get a hard time getting it all out. Now I'm done with this. Did y'all see where Sarah had a verse 2? I didn't dwell on it, but did you see where Abram had a verse 2? Boy, faith acts different than unbelief, doesn't it? Faith says, what? You know what she said? We ain't going to get nothing, so we got to go make something happen. You know what Abram said? We're getting something. It ain't what we thought. And it really was what they thought later. It's like, Lord, I don't know what you're doing, but I know you're going to be good to me. What are you going to do? All right, Abram had a verse 2, Sarah had a verse 2, but guess what? Look in, verse, look in chapter 17. God had a verse 2. <laughs> I'm about to run. Brother Tommy, I'm going to pick you up, put you on my shoulders, and run to downtown Knoxville. That's how good I feel. Like a piggy bank. You're getting all the way up on my neck. Here we go. Call your fireman buddies. They'll be, I'll need their help in a minute. Chapter 17. Let's look in verse 2. He had him a verse. I'm about to run, and I will. <laughs> Woo! I will make my covenant <laughs> between me and thee. The same thing he said at the beginning. By the way, he didn't say between me and you and Sarah and Hagar. He didn't say, God didn't say, and I, and I need you Egypt. I'm sorry. Hold on, Abram. I'm going to go get some help from Egypt, and then we'll do this. No, he said between me and thee. And will multiply thee, I like the next word, exceedingly. I just love that. Y'all ain't getting it as good as I'm feeling it. 
one night I said, y'all ain't doing too good. Old boy said, well, you ain't doing too good. Why, we're not doing too good. I like, no honesty allowed. Hush, sir. This is not an honest service. So maybe it's me. Let me try that again. Do you see Sarah had a verse 2? I've got to make this happen. Abram had a verse 2. Lord, what is going to happen? But God had a verse 2. Here's what's going to happen. I just love that. And I will. I will. I'll make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. Well, you men and you Christians go home. And verse 3 said he fell on his face. There's a lot of things he did in that chapter. Fell on his face, cut aside his flesh. Chapter, 15, uh, chapter 16 ends with that 86. He was four score and six years old when Hagar buried Ishmael. And then chapter 17 opens up and said when he was 90 and 9. I'm going to tell you the trouble with Egypt is it'll get them 13 year it'll get them 13 year spells in your life. Mm. So I think what we ought to do is act like Abraham and stay with it. He got detoured. Somebody detoured him in chapter 16. He should have just stayed with God. I heard Percy Ray say this. That great Camp Zion in Myrtle, Mississippi from the 40s to the 80s had such a powerful run. I heard him shouting one night. He said, me and my little church just been waiting on God. We've not run to the world and had an affair trying to make something happen. We're just waiting on God. And he said, I believe God's going to send us a great revival because... We'd not run down to Hagar and produced an Ishmael, but we waited on our God to bring in Isaac. And Isaac is a type of Christ. Amen. I will multiply thee exceedingly. My, my, my. Let's bow our heads. Let's all stand. Sister Sievert, would you come and play on the piano for us? Who'll come pray? Let's have a time of prayer tonight around these altars. Christian, would you like to come ask the Lord? I believe, help thou mine unbelief. We've all got a Sarah in us, but we've all got an Abram in us. Let's come and pray about it. Thank God for his promise. Find you a place and pray. Oh, Lord, thank you. What a-